0: Welcome back to New Persuasive Words. I'm Scott Jones.
1: And I'm a damp bill A
0: Damp, yeah. You came back from vacation to a wet house.
1: Yeah, the pipes burst. And it's, uh, you know what, that's kind of, it's an apocalyptic event. And that, and uh, so, so. At any rate, yeah. But it was, um, but working with some great people. I should plug them. I will plug them. I don't have their card right now. But a great adjuster and uh, great cleanup crew.
0: You don't hear many people talk in sentimental terms about their insurance adjusting.
1: well no it's not the it's not front of the insurance company we went and got we got an outside guy so who's going to actually fight the insurance company for it
0: by the way i just got a message come up on our facebook live that jeffrey carter loves the warm-up so we thank you thank Jeff, you Jeff. for yes thank for you jeffrey. for that uh so bill today we're going to talk a little bit so we had a kind of hybrid idea first it's interesting that bill gates had his first um his first kind of debut as a magazine editor in the new issue of time. I heard he needed the work. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And he basically argues that in this issue, uh, in an interview he gives, and I, I haven't looked at the issue other than the interview he gives, but that basically the world is getting better. Right. And a lot of this is through technology and progress that comes through innovation. And he says in the interview, you know, that the news by its nature is about a surprise. So, you know, which day do you cover malaria deaths being cut in half, or when do you cover work-based
1: accidents? Work-based down by a factor of fifty over a fifty-year period. Uh, there were no uh, there were no airplane crashes in the United States thanks to Donald Trump. It's last just, year. since two
0: thousand nine. <laughs> it's it's the same. There's been no policy changes. Having
1: been on a number of airplanes over the last couple of days, I was thankful that that statistic it's, it's, helped. It's,
0: it's true. But then he says, you know, that when he first went to Africa and doing relief work, he said that you know a single child dying. Yeah, it's such a big deal in the U.S. because it's it, you know because it's rare. Right. Where in some parts of Africa, because the death rates so high, people actually waited in it to name their babies until they're four months old. Yeah. So you have this, which I
1: used to do, like in the rest of the world, actually. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, so this, so that's one kind of thing that yeah, was fewer ch-
1: th- yeah, fewer children are dying, and uh that was a uh, statistic. I I can't remember who shared that, but like over the last decade, half half of uh deaths of children have been cut worldwide. The you know, the preventable ones, and uh, that's that's pretty amazing. That's actually a very good thing. Uh, the state of water. I mean, drinking water. A lot. There's been a, a massive uh, you know attempts to to improve the quality of drinking water, which that's probably that's part of the tying in why children don't die. Um, I actually been, was part of that too in Africa. Uh, a friend of mine has some ministry does that, and uh, it's remarkable. So yeah, I think there are some good things happen. Uh, now again, we may be destroying the world. Uh, <laughs> In other words, we may have clean drinking water as the ecosystem collapses. But uh, yeah, that's that's I shouldn't bring that. We're on positive things, right? Well, now. Well, I
0: mean, and you know, it, it, you could argue if I was playing, if I was, I was going to say devil's advocate. I don't think Bill Gates is the devil, though. But like, you think about like the it's 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 interesting because in the interview he talks about Bill
1: Gates just got a tax cut.
0: He's just got a tax cut. He he talks about how like one of the things is that that he thinks government is largely responsible for well-being because they have government has you know more money you know like exponentially more money than all the philanthropy combined but yes yeah but he says you know government it cycles over every four eight years election seasons commitments and it's harder for them to do riskier innovate you know investments and things and so like like he thinks that making the, you've got to make things like renewal, like renewable and clean energy, cheaper than fossil fuel, you know, because right. like, or there, otherwise, there India has, there
1: has to be an economic
0: incentive. It, yeah, because it, like India, is not going to slow its well, electric the, development it, with you know and access to refrigeration and air conditioning things like that, it, it, just because for an economic impact. Like right. you have to, I mean, this, all has to work
1: in tandem. It, China, China, you know, China is willing to risk, but how many people? of their citizens die from air pollution every year, a million, a million just die from air pollution. So they're willing to say, hey, you know, we, the progress is we're willing to lose a million people because of, of progress. I'm not sure what the number is. 500,000 is in my head, but I thought it was larger than that. So, yeah, I mean, uh, and again, that's uh, I think that's true, particularly which kind of ties into the Bill Bank thing you were going to mention about liberalism and capitalism, how they, you know, liberalism, capitalism, democracy, the kind of three mythical creatures that work together. And and in reality, that's that's that is part of how that works.
0: So if we had Bill Gates as being the the, with with a sort of. Let's say chastened or cautioned or realistic optimism about the state of the world where we're going. It's fair to say John Milbank is a counter opinion. It would be
1: a counter opinion to the, <laughs> uh, And so for those of you that uh, we should fill them in who John Milbank is. John Milbank
0: is. is the founder of. The Radical Orthodoxy Project. Right. Uh, or one, of the, yeah, one of the central. He, Catherine Pinnock. And, yeah. Um, he, Pickstock. Pickstock. Oh, it's uh, funny because Peter Lightheart was was interviewing William Cavanaugh once. He says, you know, John Milbank says you're part of the radical orthodoxy movement. Would you say that? He's like, Cavanaugh goes, movement. I thought it was a book series. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: that's with Kevin Ka- I, 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 e- I exchanged emails with him one time, and he says, I can't decide if Milbank's profound or totally nonsensical. <laughs> He's not the first person. To but I, I found some – I mean, Milbank has some very <clears> – <throat> there's just some phrases that make you think. Theology
0: you... and social theory is one of the most – the boldest theological – endeavors of the past like it is decades yeah. you know i mean it's it's and he's you know a polymath kind of guy and the weakness or the 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 problem with that in an age of specialization is you go to the american academy of religion somebody's gonna say you got a footnote about the 14th century wrong or something you eighth there's some hegel specialist just you know i mean so you're always right subject to that kind of criticism if you do bold audacious and ambitious right. projects but but he has a new book out that Rowan Williams has reviewed in the New Statesman. And the book is called The Politics of Virtue, Post Liberalism and the Human Future by it's co-authored, Milbank and Adrian Pabst. Mm And it's four hundred and eighteen pages and twenty-four 95 in pounds. So I don't know if that's more than dollars. Right? That's it is like, more than dollars. It's yeah, like that's a $50
1: about, that's, book. That's $50 book. Depending on the we'll
0: be glad to review it on the podcast if you send us <laughs> a free copy. Uh, but I'm sure we won't do as good a job as Rowan Williams. But.
1: Right. No, I think, yeah. <laughs> it's fine. We'll try to fill in the spots that Rowan missed. <laughs> exactly. I mean,
0: but, you know, I mean, it's interesting. And the sense of the review, which we'll put in the show notes, that, that, they're, that basically, I think it's fair to say Williams finds Milbank and perhaps insights about the meta crises, like mm-hmm. uh, uh, the nature of,
1: and define that for, least, you know, like,
0: basically we've got problems with our politics. Like, right. like uh, is, are, is the politics of liberalism, giving way to the tyranny of the majority, right? right. Like, so, you know, this and is... Even
1: we've talked about that in a previous podcast. Uh, <clears throat> there was a great article last year about um, what happens in late republics from uh, from what happens in late democracies from Plato's Republic. Right, right. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, that, yeah. And, it's prescient. It's prescient. And, <laughs> and if and as you read it, you go, Yeah. Yep. Yeah, this is where yeah, we're at. That's yeah, that's where we're at.
0: Yeah, and you think about—I mean, this is—you know—this is something we take for granted. But there's interesting difference democracy and a liberal democracy. Because when we say liberal democracy, we—you know—we're using kind of old-school Enlightenment shorthand for right. there are certain inalienable rights that, if 100% of the people want to make this law, you can't make it if it impinges on certain dignities of an individual. Right. There's so so that's we're not why, talking
1: about Putin democracy, right? Or, or even the Arab Spring, right? right like
0: right. you overthrow a dictator. And people actually get less rights because the people vote. You know, in certain places like Egypt, you might
1: yeah they vote you, for totalitarianism. You, you vote
0: for the Muslim Brotherhood and say so.
1: So, uh, I would argue maybe the Muslim Brotherhood is better than what we have there now in Egypt. There was the mother Muslim Brotherhood was more democratic than what's there now.
0: Yeah, I mean, the question is 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 was is it more modern? So there are certain kind of modern liberal right. values, right. And, and these are the tensions, right? Like, right. so you know, with, with our democracy, is it? Is it just crass sort of, uh, you know, a mechanism for managing competing egoisms? And there's not, you know, is, is there anything left to yes. sort of right? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, this would be, the, and, yeah. and capitalism, you know, of you know it, it, that that Milbank thinks that, and perhaps obviously think that there's a reductive sense of value and commodification
1: well, was he, the natural play now. Capitalism is actually destroying the middle class. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's, and I, again, I, I just don't understand why people don't see that statistically, it's there. Uh, and yet they continue to vote for people who are robbing their children and grandchildren of their future.
0: Yeah. And the way it's interesting because the way Williams succinctly summarizes this, by the way, people can't see this if you're not watching our Facebook Live. But my mother in law got me this excellent ipad stand so my voice won't drop out when i'm reading because i can just look at it but the the meta crisis that shapes all of this stuff um the the crisis of liberal liberalism williams says you know he summarizes the problem this way since the early modern period the characteristically western intellectual perspective has increasingly assumed a schism between a meaningless natural order and an abstract human will that imposes meaning on the environment so technological advance becomes um which is now highly sophisticated and flexible, he notes, becomes the tool for this imposition. And given that nothing has intrinsic significance, value comes from exchange. So what can be literally or metaphorically bought with something? What advantage will it offer in a world of shortage and competition? Thus, capitalism is the natural partner for, quote-unquote, liberalism. It embodies the endless negotiation of power in this cramped but essentially empty world and the process by which we seek to create value by gaining leverage over the other. And so, Adrian Paps writes that what this creates is that our humanity seems to be balanced between the purely animal and the, and the purely and arbitrarily artificial. Right. And from this flows, William says, all the ills of culture and and politics in our world.
1: Well, and that's why a lot of people who are reacting to this are trying to bring back some sort of some things that are holistic, whether it be the food you eat, you know, even from farm to table, um, restaurants Our sense of we need to make some connections. So there are a lot of people who – I think there are a lot of movements, a lot of different people, a lot of different groups, a lot of different spiritualities that are reacting against this. Whether – you know, uh, how successful that is 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 another question. You know, it's interesting to me that, again, Christianity is kind of – whatever branch of Christianity you're part of, we've all kind of participated in this whole kind of the – the road down this way, whereas I think historically and biblically, Christianity has many more holistic offerings and a more integrated approach to, you know, all these things. I mean, I think about the Thomistic synthesis. Well, there are many Thomistic synthesis. It's not just, you know, faith and reason and you know there are a lot of holistic spiritualities that are um, that are offered out there i was you know i spent some time you know this was kind of a retreat for me as well and I, and i had an opportunity to interact with people who are are into a lot of alternative spiritualities and the interesting thing as a church historian almost everything they were interested in you could find within the christian tradition but many of them felt they had to leave the christian tradition in order to find them and so i, I think that's that's kind of the moment we are in right now where there are some, you know, what does it mean? You know, I mean, part of it is, um, it's hard not to be caught up in, uh, the fire and fury of this current time that we're, that we're in. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but you know, by the
0: way, I don't need farm to table poison it's too easy to be poisoned. The farmers <laughs> want to poison you.
1: That's the greatest thing. That's why you, he, in other words, uh, this is my favorite thing of all I learned today. Donald Trump's antidote towards fear of being poisoned is that he eats at McDonald's <laughs> because it's pre-prepared and
0: they and they don't know he's coming, so he can't be poisoned.
1: So it's it's kind of like a long it's a long poisoning. It's not <laughs> a short. I love McDonald's. It's like uh, 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 oh gosh. Uh, uh, George Carlin, one time in his in his uh, one of his comedy routines, uh, the uh, you know American S- uh, Medical Society said that they've discovered saliva causes cancer, but only if swallowed in small quantities <laughs> over a long period of time. I want to
0: take a brief moment to ask you a quick question: Do you like this podcast? Do you enjoy it? Do you look forward to listening to it while you do a morning after your evening routine, or while you're exercising, or while you're caught frustrated in traffic? Being a Patreon sponsor is really just you being a patron of an art form you enjoy and are passionate about. So I invite you to be a patron through Patreon of this, which I think is an art form you're enjoying and will continue to enjoy. Again, any contribution is welcome, but for five bucks a month, you will get a shout out on the thank you roll call, which begins right now. Thank you, David and Winona Babico, Michael Butera, Peter Stegenwald, Samantha Blythe, Sari Graham, Jordan and Danny Morseberger, Josh Redder, Ellis Brazil, David Zall, Jonathan Butrin, Ben DeHart, Stephen Rowe, Ben Crosby, John Snyder, and Charlotte Donlin. If you want to join these patrons through Patreon, just go to patreon.com forward slash Scott Kent Jones. Thanks again for listening. And now back to the show. Malcolm Gladwell did, in his Revisionist History podcast does a whole episode about this guy that got basically the legislation the, – the movement to make everything the sort of non – the trans, the kind of fat that's not animal fat or whatever that's yeah, like – the yeah, yeah. And like basically he's like the millennials who have never had the old school French fry. When you have them taste a French fry made in the old animal fat, their mind is blown. Like they don't – like it's just amazing – it's amazing. It's such a great podcast. Well,
1: it's why why did all why did my grandmother's stuff all taste better? <laughs> because it was it was cooked in lard and in bacon grease.
0: Yeah, well, and there I I I'm it's a great episode. It Malcolm Gladwell's <laughs> podcast revision history is I mean, I I it's not my favorite, but I do like it. It's a little my my issue with it is in the first two minutes, you always know who the hero and the villain is. Like he's so editorial, he's so kind of moralistic. It's like, but it's still great.
1: I mean, he's a great storyteller. By the way, to our non-Jewish listeners or those who don't keep kosher, you haven't lived till you had scrambled eggs and bacon fat. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> it's, really, it's pretty great. Yeah, it's pretty great. My
0: well, some of our Jewish li- listeners, my friend Liel Leibwitz, has although I think Liel has stopped eating bacon and I think he's moving in a kosher direction. Actually, I think I think he actually said that a couple weeks
1: ago on the other. You could probably have the same effect with. Google. Fat. That's what you like. If you want a bacon cheeseburger in Jerusalem, you get one with like goose. It has kind of a similar effect. Like, uh, Leal
0: well, we said over on Passover one time, and he lived in like Tel Aviv, a pretty secular area. Like, a very secular area, And very he secular. said, like, even like on Passover, he's like 13 drinking a beer. And the cop says, hey kid, you can't do that. Not because he was underage, because of the carbs and the, the bread and the beer. <laughs> he's like, even in the secular things, like, you know. <laughs> uh, so it's interesting. Uh, Rowan Williams summarizing. Pabst and Milbank's point says that insofar as the liberal worldview assumes that what is most basic in us is an ego with demands that need to be guaranteed satisfaction, there will be a fixed and fatal conclusion between ideals of negative liberty, which is a phrase Isaiah Berlin came up with. The idea that states should preserve certain freedom from things so that you can have... The dignity to pursue decisions on your own and and cultivate you know life liberty and the pursuit yeah of hey
1: Jeff Sessions leave my marijuana farm alone exactly
0: the negative liberty on one hand and the universal commodification that goes with capitalism so they're seeing this tension between actually and I think there's a, a, an excellent point here like in California they try a few years ago they tried to pass a law saying that food had to it. You had to know if it was genetically modified. Sure. Just no, like not. It wasn't yeah, just, banned. Just know. Yeah, no, they have the, these policies in liberal hotbeds like Russia and China, <laughs> but it couldn't get it passed because you know the the sort of corporate. You know, the, what is what is the big uh, Conagra? All these like huge, mm. their lobby is so powerful that that just got shot down. So it's like,
1: matter it, of fact, we probably had government money somehow. Was probably used to lobby against that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. this
0: is the interesting thing, right? In the 18th century, if you're writing the U.S. Constitution, the biggest threat to individual liberty is definitely a centralized sort of government, like yeah. what what the that's colonists a, rebelled against. A tyrant. Yeah. Now it's it's global oh, conglomerates. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's
1: who. Yeah, who we who we continually. It,
0: it's funny because there was Rachel Maddow it's pronounced mad she's on howard's turn he was no. saying mad out he's like no. how do you how do you pronounce it she goes mad like shadow he goes you do like she's like yeah well it's my name like, <laughs> but you know she did a piece a couple of years ago in texas there's all these places in texas with just gravel roads yes because the energy company the oil trucks and stuff had destroyed the roads like right and they wanted to pass a tax on these exuberantly profitable right. companies to repair theirs and they couldn't get it passed. So yeah. here like you have like in some sense like my freedom to to drive on a road that doesn't negatively quickly impact my car and things like that are it's not taken away by the government it's taken away by a corporation. Right. Like, right. So this is again the the this sort of Non Bill Gates, hey, non Rurci. Hey, be
1: nice. Corporations are people <laughs> too. Corporations are people too. Um,
0: and again, like I'm not. I mean, this is not a Marxist podcast. Uh, uh, by people- the way,
1: that was tongue in cheek. Yeah,
0: yeah. By the way, some people think you're a Marxist on this podcast, but I would say not. Neither of us are. No, even close to Marxists. So I love corporations. I, might I mean, be. I love Apple anyway.
1: <laughs> I might be. I might. Well, I, I'm. I might be closer than, I'm closer than you are yeah I'll take my apple
0: now I mean I'm just, I, so these are not and Ronald Williams is interesting because in this review he is less impressed with
1: who thinks we're a Marxist
0: I think S- Steve Lipless oh, thinks right, we're a the Marxist way that doesn't count. I mean I mean I think I think yeah
1: well that's the only one I can know but. I mean I mean he thinks Mussolini is a little a little too liberal right <laughs> Yeah, I mean Mussolini's a little too to the left for him. Yeah, but anyway, so yeah. All right, all right, I thought you were talking. I thought you were talking about like someone new. No, no, no. All no. Right, no. All right. So I mean, it's interesting. I mean, one I of the called a lot worse
0: than that. One of the interesting things that Milbank and Pabst want a recovery of is things like guilds, like a more robust civil society that is in between the private family and the state, and sort of. I mean, there are some interesting proposals for humanizing our modern life that. Williams finds you know salient and interesting he also he also has some, some significant criticisms of the romanticization of the British and Spanish empires right. uh, the, <laughs> the, actually,
1: <laughs> the, the the this there's we, uh, uh, I've actually started a local chapter of <laughs> exa- 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 the Knights Templar exactly the medieval kind of we fetishism
0: i mean there's a lot there's a lot of the 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 the, the wholesale um Governing of the Asian parts of the British Empire to the East India
1: Company, yeah, no, like this, your this, private. That's, yeah.
0: co- I mean, there's some Millbank and perhaps paint a little bit of a rosy picture in the book. Apparently, we haven't read it yet, but yeah, apparently, no. of some part.
1: But, but uh, well, uh, yeah, and that's what was Williams said it. By the way, we're practicing on just the holy sites here and pre- protecting where George Washington slept here in, uh in your hometown. Then we're going to work. We did, did. Allegedly, he did sleep. So around. we are. We're protecting those, even though we can't tell you how because it's a secret.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I think it, it, this is an interesting – the, the conversation sort of – I mean, who puts Bill Gates in conversation with John Milbank? And only us. That's right. And – and
1: and, but it's – you know, the larger, you know, less technical question that we we kind of started with um, is thing, are things getting better or are they getting worse? And I think – you know, I, I mean, probably most days except maybe like during the middle of the – speaking of the Middle Ages, it was pretty clear during the midst of the of the plague <laughs> – <laughs> there wouldn't be a lot of optimism about that. yeah. Uh, but, you know, I've probably many ages, in, other than in terms of pure crisis, like a world war or, or a, um, um, you know, or a plague, a pandemic, you know, there's probably on any given day you can go either ways. I mean, I mean, we, you know, even like the rise of the third rank, there were days, you know, I mean, the build military buildup helped. Bring Germany out of the yeah out of a recession. So there was a kind of optimism in the days that led up to you know the largest disaster of the 20th century. Yeah, I yeah, no, uh, you know, absolutely. he's making Germany great again, right? I mean, and no, I mean they, they don't don't laugh. They use that language, <laughs> they, use, they use that language. Yeah. So yeah. So and,
0: and it is interesting too that the third Reich comes on the heels of the Weimar Republic, which is. Are pretty progressive by any standard.
1: On paper progressive. And, yeah. But in, in but a total inability to govern.
0: But, yeah, and, and also the Versa- the Treaty of Versailles and some other things. Yeah, there was I mean, a lot like, of
1: problems, but, the, yeah. you know, again, and... Uh, Do you know
0: what, what Hitler did, like, the French surrender? Like, he, he made them sign the surrender papers right. in the streetcar, right? That, that the, the tri- yeah, And absolutely. then blew the car up.
1: Yeah, no, <laughs> it's, no, no, it's, they, uh, no. And uh, it, history should teach us something. I mean, the current uh, reign of Putin is a classic example of the danger... Of humiliating a people.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I, I
1: mean, I mean, I don't know why we have to keep learning this. Why do we have to keep learning this stuff?
0: It's people, because human nature, this is the ultimate question. I, I think human nature, does human nature change? Probably not a ton, although you could argue, I mean, for a counter-argument, the book All Things Shining, written by the late Herbert Dreyfus was a Heidegger scholar and his student, his protege, Sean Kelly, who's at Harvard, just wrote something in the New York Times last week that was fabulous. Um, Kelly is a ama- these guys, but they're kind of Heidegger scholars and read, the subtitle is reading the West: western classics for a secular age. It is a fantastic book. And they would argue human nature does kind of change uh, I mean, it, through a kind of lens using Heidegger's work and how basically different great books and different sort of Narrative arcs that shape cultures actually do change the experience of human nature. Uh, that being said, that qualifier, I'm probably way down on the side that in general, there's much more continuity over time about human nature, the reality of, of sin, uh, fallibility, fragility, anxiety, trauma, things like that, like these things shaping the human condition, and oftentimes the the context for the maladies are different
1: yeah I think you're right i think uh the the nature of human um temptation and sin there may be all kinds of variations, but are are people less sinful now than they were in the past? My answer would be no I mean there's a sense where it seems that the same propensities of of you know I want to be my own God, you know and I want to be independent those same you know whatever is talked you know the same observations of human nature that are found in Genesis 3, they still ring very true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yes. And I think, and, and the consequences are the same. I mean, the fact is that, um, you know, we are. N- there are certain, you know, all right, for instance, we don't necessarily go and watch a hanging for recreation, but instead we watch fictional violent stuff that's actually more violent than a hanging.
0: Well, I, we're fiction. we watch boxing, the NFL, like, <laughs> like I yeah.
1: mean, we're, we, I mean, our, right. we don't, we don't, we don't kill. We people.
0: have a gladiatorial class.
1: Yeah, we do. And the fact is we're that we're a little concerned about stuff. And so yet most people don't go watch a bull being killed anymore, you know, bullfighting. But. Uh, but the fact is, we are no less entertained by vicarious violence and watching, you know, people be killed, uh, whether though it's fiction, we st- the, the same whatever happens to you internally by watching something like that happen hasn't changed yeah and uh you know and, and again even when you would say well we care about children you know we've raised, we've raised the role of women in the world but I think we all you know the, the amount of human trafficking going on the whole the, the series of scandals that you know that are coming into the opening open about you know what women are subjected to in all kinds of places I again the fact that we're talking about it that's the trouble that's the that's what's the, both the promise and curse of liberalism because – the and you and I have both been part of groups where we realize there's a problem and we talk about it. And frequently that makes us feel better. Yeah, oh, absolutely. But are we really well, – With
0: social media, that, the, that is exponentially – Oh, my amb- gosh. And such that like – the virtue signaling thing. It's not just the virtue signaling We're like, hey, I'm gonna show you how good I am by you know by my uh online slacktivism. I I like this and shared this. It's
1: also the pressure
0: of shaming people that don't share it. Right. Or don't post it. I mean, that kind of stuff.
1: Keep the candle going.
0: It's it's I mean that that <laughs> is noxious. I mean that well, is Well but
1: but there yeah, so there's a sense where uh do we, you know, do we all get outside, right outside of town and pick up stones and literally throw them at people? Generally not.
0: We've established I won't even go outside in winter for a
1: good cause. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like, like, a I, I was
0: involved in one winter protest with the second Iraq war. Never again. Right. We, in a previous Never again. We had a discussion.
1: But I'm saying, but now you don't have to go outside. You don't even have to pick up a rock. All you have to do is tweet or hit like or don't like or whatever, and then you're throwing you're throwing metaphorical rocks all over the place. And I don't want to minimize like the the good things that social media has done. I mean, I'm not saying like I don't want to. No, and and but
0: but it can you know with all things these things like Edward
1: Armero you know said about TV, it could be a tool for great good or great evil. Yeah, and I think you have to say. Both and. Yeah. Yeah. Still, yeah. So I, I, you know, one of the things that for some reason I, when I was way, I put one thing on, on the resident exile Facebook page and somebody took it off. And I don't know what police did that. Maybe it's because of the picture I used, but this is a quote. Uh, I'm rereading. I was, I'm rereading Halleck. Uh, that's one of the things I'm doing for 2018 as if you didn't get enough of them from me in 2017. You know what? I I'll,
0: I'll do that with you. But you I mean, know, I, I, there's I not, there's not, yeah, there's never a time I sit down with Halik and don't, profit incredibly Uh, i mean it, it yeah so yeah
1: But here, this is something he wrote in his first book, Night of the Confessor. I reject secular and pious optimism alike on account of both their naivete and their superficiality, and because of their unavowed striving to make the future and possibly God fit into our limited visions, plans, and perceptions about what is good and right. Whereas Christian hope is openness and a readiness to search for meaning in what is to come, I sense at the back of this caricature a cockeyed assumption that we always Know in advance, after all, what is best for us, and I think that would be uh, Halleck, who I think we both have says one of the, the great speakers to the postmodern time. A I matter mean, of fact, I ran into someone who is not particularly a Christian who loves him as well, um, a person from the Czech Republic. But oh wow, uh, yeah, but. Um, I think, you know, this idea that we always know in advance what is best for us uh, certainly, I think, would be part of the current stage we're in. And getting back to Genesis 3, that seems to be what the priestly writers thought the source of the cause of a lot of malady in the human condition.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I— And this is due to our, my our, my conversation with uh, with Glenn Scrivener. I actually Christmas morning watched the the Queen's Christmas message, and I just watched the second season of The Crown, where they actually capture her first televised Christmas message, and she actually refers to it in the message in, in her, and shows. A young woman who gave who yeah. they just had to tell me, and the conclusion of the message. She, I mean, this is so moving, right? Mm. She says, and we're still in Christmas tide. just when I bring this up. Right, in the, And the Halik thing maybe think of this. Like she said, the custom of topping a tree also goes back to Prince Albert's time. For his family's tree, he chose an angel, helping to remind us that the focus of the Christmas story is on one particular family. For Joseph and Mary, the circumstances of Jesus' birth in a stable were far from ideal, but worse to come. As the family was forced to flee the country, it's no surprise that such a human story still captures our imagination and continues to inspire all of us who are Christians the world over. Despite being displaced and persecuted through a short life, Christ's unchanging message was not one of revenge or violence, but simply that we should love one another. Although it's not an easy message to follow, we shouldn't be discouraged. Um, It inspires us and to be thankful for the people who bring love and happiness into our own lives and to look for ways of spreading that love to others whenever and wherever we can
1: it's beautiful may God save the queen yeah and may God bless us all
0: amen
2: is it getting better Do you feel the same? Will it make it easier on you now? You got someone to blame. You're saying one love, one life, when it's one. Thank you.